Before we uh, jump into this conversation, um, just one quick thing that I want to share with you. Yesterday, we had Porn and Pastries right here. Porn and Pastries is an event for uh, women to interact on the conversation of pornography and how it relates to uh, their lives, to the lives of their spouses, to their families. Uh, we had a panel that uh, all shared. There were four individuals that shared, and then a, a group of people were here just to, to interact, discuss. Uh, we may have one of those events again in the near future, because uh, we think uh, this is a subject matter that uh, desperately needs to be talked about in the church. And uh, so we're hoping and praying that in the near future we'll have a, another guys event. Uh, again, out of this flows accountability, a chance to get more connected to one another, and to really talk about some issues that uh, hit practical life as it relates to pursuing Jesus and having our lives look like he desires for them to look. So just uh, wanted to give you a quick update on that. It was a, a great event, and um, we're excited about future events just like that. All right? As you already know and can uh, witness, this morning is going to be one giant conversation. There's going to be a lot of dialogue that happens. It's going to happen in your groups that you already have, as well as one big conversation together. So I'll toss out questions, you'll dialogue about them, then you'll give responses to me. Sometimes we'll skip the responses back to me, and we'll just jump into the next topic. What we're going to be doing is talking about one particular story in the scriptures this morning, a story that all of us are familiar with, most likely, at some level, and that is the story of the prodigal son. Many of us are familiar with it. We understand that there are uh, different characters in the story and uh, different pieces. For example, uh, this morning, my intention is for us to retell the story so we kind of re-engage with it, think about it again, perhaps in a new way. My other hope is that we look at the three main characters. We're going to spend some time looking at the younger son. In what ways was he prodigal? We're going to look at the older son and kind of his feelings about the whole situation. And then we're going to look at the father, which many would call the prodigal father as well. Prodigal is just this idea of being recklessly extravagant. So while the son was recklessly extravagant with his money, uh, the father was recklessly extravagant with his love. So we'll interact on each of those four main themes. There'll be discussion kind of ping-pong back and forth, and then there will be some occasional times where uh, I'll do just a little bit of teaching. So I know this, uh, for some of you, means you're out of your comfort zone. That's okay. I'm out of mine as well. When people are staring at the back of me, it just feels awkward, all right? <laughs> so we uh, will just live in the moment, and uh, we'll enjoy it together, all right? So let me pray, and uh, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to really work and move in each group, because in many ways, what you experience in your group will be uniquely different than someone experiences in another group. And yet, the Spirit of God will teach all of us about His Word this morning. Let's pray. God, we are just excited to dive into a familiar text, one that many of us know, uh, that relates to us. And God, we just want to ask some deep questions about it. We want to ask questions to help us to understand it better, but more than that, we want to understand your heart. We want to understand what you're calling us to in this story. God, I pray that your spirit would speak in each group in unique ways. 
that as each of us kind of craft the sermon, that you work in it to deliver exactly what you want to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll start off with a little discussion, and uh, you're going to, in a few moments, open your Bible to Luke 15, but before you do that, here's what I want. In your group, appoint one person, or have one person volunteer, whatever works best for your group, and have them share from memory the story of the prodigal son. They'll have two minutes to share it, okay? It doesn't need to be this lengthy thing. Just jump in, or just describe really quick the story of the prodigal son, then your whole group will kind of, for about a minute or so, speak into it and pick up maybe some pieces that were left to the side because in two minutes it's hard to explain the whole thing anyway. So you'll throw a couple other thoughts in. Once those two things are done, this will all be on the screen. Once those two things are done, the third thing is to uh, open up your Bible then to Luke 15 and then tell me in a moment after that, who was Jesus teaching this parable to? Okay? Got it? So one person in your group describes the story. Then all of you kind of speak into it. And then the third thing is to determine who Jesus was teaching with these parables. All right? Go. All right, you've got about a minute left. If you haven't uh, opened up to the text yet to find out who Jesus was teaching, do that now. And then we'll get those responses in a moment. All right, let's, uh, let's pause right where you're at. And uh, you've had a chance to hopefully re- recall the story a little bit. Someone in your group uh, retold the story, maybe gave uh, bits and pieces of the overall picture. You had a chance to maybe speak into it a little bit of as, as a group and remind each other of various pieces of the story. So we're not going to spend a lot of time here in these next couple moments going over that. Um, because you, you have a gist of that already. So here's my question. Who was Jesus teaching in this particular parable? Okay, the Pharisees. Some of the teachers of the law. So he's directing everything, he's directing everything in this particular story toward them. Now look at verse 2 for just a moment, because it's really the key to this whole thing. Verse 2 says this, it's on the screen. As well, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, all of Jesus' teaching in the rest of this chapter addresses that remark. The scribes and Pharisees are saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus begins to tell stories. What's interesting is he tells a story on top of a story on top of a story. It's really three stories in this passage. They're all about lost things. You have a lost sheep at the very beginning of chapter 15. You have a lost coin. And then you have the story we've been talking about, which is the lost son. Now, what Jesus' intention is at the very beginning is to begin to cause the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes to, to ask themselves or to put themselves into the story. He wants them to find themselves in these three stories. 
sympathizing, feeling for these people. In fact, that's why he starts off all of the stories with suppose. Suppose you had a hundred sheep and you lost one. Or suppose you had a coin and you couldn't find it. Suppose you had, and he's trying to get them to place themselves, themselves in his shoes or in the story. What's interesting is he's beginning to get them to ask the question, do you value what I value? Do you feel what I feel? Now we talk a lot about, what we did a long time ago, we talked about what would Jesus do, right? That's very action-oriented. We want to know if this is how Jesus lived, if these were the actions that he did, how can we copy or mimic those actions and live like him? Jesus is not addressing in this text, what would Jesus do? Rather, he's addressing, how does Jesus feel about something? What does Jesus value? How does he feel? What does he value? So let me ask you a question before we discuss what's going to be on the screen. When was the last time you asked yourself, how does Jesus feel about this? The situation I'm in, how does he feel about this? This person that I met, how does he feel about him or her? Or when was the last time you asked, what would Jesus value? How does he demonstrate his value? So here's the discussion question, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. In these first two stories, the two that you didn't describe already, what are some of the feelings Jesus may have had? Or what can we learn about what Jesus values from these two stories? Okay? So glance at the stories really quick. The story of the lost sheep. One goes away. He's got 99. Leaves the 99. Goes finds the one. Hooray. Then the next one, uh, coin, can't find it, got lots of coins, I search for it, I find it, awesome. That's the two stories, okay? Tell us, what does Jesus feel, or what does it demonstrate about what he feels, or what he values, okay? Discuss that, go. All right, let's uh, re-engage here. What, what are some of the things that we learn about what Jesus values, or how he feels, from these two stories? What are some things we learn about what Jesus values or how he feels? Right. Just talking about this. I know what you feel like when you lose something and the joy you have when you find it. That's how I feel about someone who's lost and has been found. Good. Other thoughts? What else does he feel or value? Yeah. Yeah. He's pursuing us. We always think we're looking really hard for him, but he's demonstrating a pursuit of us. Good. What else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've got 99 sheep, and you kind of go, well, pff, it's one. I mean, they kind of wander off anyway. It's to be expected. It's a, it's a marginal loss, right? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of uh, perhaps our perspective, especially in our culture, right? In other cultures, that wouldn't be the case. There'd be great value, and perhaps they'd only have two sheep, and their, their livelihood depends on finding that sheep. 
But there's, there's a sense of great worth that's designated to these things that are lost, even if they to us seem rather marginal. Any other thoughts? Yeah, a feeling of desperation. Loss, a deep, deep loss, yeah. Yeah, if you couldn't hear over on this side, it, he's, he talks about this idea that, that sometimes we get caught up on, on really focusing on the holy huddle, the followers of Jesus already, and going, hey, it's all about you, and, and that's true. There's a lot of great things in that, but Jesus is demonstrating that there's this pursuit of people that don't know him. And so we should also have that same kind of value, that same kind of focus. I'm sure there's a lot more we could chat, but we're going to move on to the younger son here for a moment. Now, the younger son is a picture of movement as it relates to the father. It's a picture of movement as it relates to the father. He, he has two movements in the story. There's a movement away from the father. There's this rejection of the father. There's this... Um, I want things my way, I'm leaving home, I'm headed out, I'm no longer associated with you. Then as you know the story, there's this movement back toward the Father. There's this uh, repentance, there's this, Father, I, I really screwed up, and it's this returning home kind of idea. So here's what I want you to discuss for a moment. It'll be up on the screen. Describe what movement away from the Father looks like. Don't tell me what it looked like in this story. Tell me what it looks like today. What does movement away from the Father look like? Second is, what are the signs that someone is moving toward the Father? So first talk about this idea of what does it look like to move away from the Father. Then talk about the signs of someone moving toward the Father. Now, Here's an internal question you could ask, and if you're bold enough, you could talk about it as a group. Which way are you moving? How do you know you're moving that way, and why? I think sometimes we feel that we're in neutral. Like, oh, I'm not really pursuing him right now, but I'm also not like falling away from him right now. Certainly not. But the reality is, if we're not pursuing or moving toward the Father, then we probably in some way are drifting away from the Father. So maybe if you're so bold as to talk about that, if not, keep it as an internal, but start with the first two. What does movement away from the Father look like? What does movement toward the Father look like? Left, you have about two minutes left. <clears throat> All right. We are going to move on. I know some of you are probably anxious to share what you have with the whole group, but you'll just have to keep it to yourself and uh, keep it to your group. Moving on to the older son, okay? So we just talked about this younger son, the movement toward the father, the movement away from the father. What does that look like here? Okay, now with the older son, here's the first question I want to ask. Don't, uh, don't read that one yet, okay? Drop that one. First question is this, how does the older brother feel about the younger brother's return? You tell me. How does the older brother feel about the younger brother's return? Talk to me. Give me one word descriptions of how he's feeling. Okay? 
There's like 20 one-word descriptions right there. Okay, I heard indignant. Okay, what else? Possessive. Resentful. Jealous. Frustrated. Bugged. Pissed. Okay, that's... Thank you. <laughs> he was ticked off. I mean... Okay, what else? Unappreciated. Betrayed. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a, a pretty crazy list. Now, here's uh, the next question on the screen. And we'll respond to it again all out loud. Uh, if you look in the text, what stands out from the older brother's statements? And what does it reveal about the older brother? What stands out from his statements? And what does it reveal about the older brother? Look into the text. It's near the bottom of the story. Which of his statements stands out and what does it reveal about him? Yeah. Yeah, there's this... uh, you owe me kind of feeling, right? I've been slaving for you. What are some other statements that stand out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feeling of entitlement. Yeah, I deserve this. Good. What else? Yeah. And I never disobeyed. I'm your perfect son. This other son, I mean, he's all messed up. What else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to come back to that one. In one moment, he forgot all the blessings that he had. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Perceived lack of appreciation on the father's part. Uh-huh. He, was, he had his uh, list of, this is what I've done, this is what I've accomplished. What's also interesting is he had a complete list about what his brother, who was lost, didn't know where he was, didn't know what he was doing, You kind of wonder how he came up with his brother's list. It might have been the list of the things that he would have done had he been his brother. Right? He spent all the money on women. Well, we don't know that. The text didn't say that. It's an assumption, perhaps. Okay? Any other comments, thoughts? Yeah. His statement cut him off from his brother. That son of yours distancing himself. He also removed himself from the party. He stayed outside. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. But one of the phrases that struck me was the phrase, you never gave me. You never gave me. It's this whole idea of losing sight of the amazing blessings he has because he's connected to the Father. There's this thanklessness that stands out in who he is. He just immediately forgets all the blessing he has, and he says, you never gave me. Evaluate your life for a moment. Is it your inclination? Is your posture toward God one where you're constantly saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have blessed me so much. I am so grateful for all that I have as a part of this relationship? Or is your natural orientation more toward, you never gave me? When will I get mine? 
how soon will you correct the situation I'm in? And Lord, I deserve more than this because of... You get the idea, the older son with his sense of entitlement began to lose all thankfulness and drifted into this thankless attitude where all the blessings of the father became ignored because of the certain things he felt he deserved. So here's the next question for discussion. Jesus leaves the story open-ended. He doesn't finish it. He doesn't say what happened with the older brother. He says that the older brother was invited in, but he never gives the answer. He never says what happened. So in light of verse 2, in light of the, the phrase that said, listen, Jesus eats with sinners. In light of that, you finish the rest of the story. You tell me, do you think the older brother came into the party, or do you think he stayed out? You finish the story. Discuss among yourselves. Go. From your perspective, did he come in, or did he stay out? You got about a minute left on this? One minute left? All right. We are going to uh, shift again. And we're going to talk about the Father. We're going to wrap up our time kind of reflecting on Him. And we'll just do this in a larger group discussion. So, first of all, really quick, how did the Father receive the younger son? Describe how He received the younger son. Joyfully. Okay, good. What else? Wholeheartedly. Unconditionally. Filled with compassion. Extravagantly, like a prodigal. He ran towards him, okay, which in that day would have been considered dishonorable. It would have been considered a dishonorable thing to lift up his robe and go running after his son. Some would suggest the reason he ran to him was because a lot of times if a, a son would have returned home who disgraced the family, the townspeople would have met him first and would have called down curses upon him. So what he did is he raced to his son, embraced his son as the crowds came to, to disown him, and then he said, hey, there's a party coming, and you're all invited. And then he takes him back to the home. Let's talk about the older son. How does the father answer the objections of the older son? Yeah, he reminded him that that's his brother. Good. How else does he answer the objection? Yeah, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. Yeah, he reminds him of the fact that his older brother was lost and the severity of that. The, again, it's, do you feel what I feel? Do you value what I value in this. Yeah. Yep. If you had the same set of values as I do, you'd be celebrating at this moment. You'd be the one hosting the party. You'd be the one calling all the friends and the neighbors. Let me ask you this um, 
Next question. How do these responses to both the younger son and the older son inform us of our understanding of our Heavenly Father? How does this inform us of our understanding of our Heavenly Father? That He forgives without question. He deeply loves both sons. Whether you find yourself as more of the younger or the older, there's a deep love and affection for both. What else? Yeah. He wants us to be better than that. Yeah, a great amount of joy when we're moving toward Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless of whether we're angry with Him or lost from Him, He'll find us. Meet us there. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, there's, I think in our society, we want everything to be fair, and fair doesn't always mean equal. Right? Yeah. Mm hmm. Good. God has a specific plan for everyone. Yeah, last one. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have another, another set of issues to deal with at this point. Good. Yeah, the hope would be that the older son returned. And what I think he's calling the Pharisees to is he's saying, listen, return. Come, come back to me. Move toward the Father. Feel what I feel. Value what I value. Let me ask you one more question here. From your understanding of the Father, what do you think he was doing while his son was away? Based on what we've been describing about who the father was, when the son, the younger son was away, what do you think the father was doing? Grieving, yeah. Yeah, on the roof all the time. He, you know what, I think he was searching intently. You have the first story which says there was a lost sheep. The man leaves the 99, and what does he do? He searches high and low until he can find the lost sheep. There's a lost coin. The woman sweeps the house high and low, under every nook and cranny, till she finds the coin. There's a story of a lost son. I'm going to go out on a limb and say what the father was doing was pursuing, searching. You realize that that's his posture toward you, right? That he is a pursuing, loving, intently searching for, longing to be in relationship with you. Longing to be in relationship with people in our city that have no idea of who he is. And he is passionately pursuing them. Desirous to know them longing to be intimate and close and personal with them. That's our Father. That's the way He's described in this story. Here's what we're going to do in these next few moments. Uh, we are going to reflect together on the Father and His love for us by taking communion. And instead of taking communion as one large group, we're actually going to take communion in your little group. 
And uh, so in a moment, you're going to send one person over to the table to grab a uh, set of, uh, one, the bread on a plate, and then there's uh, cups of juice. It's all juice uh, this morning since uh, we're spreading it all out. And that juice and that cup represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's how we would prefer that you interact together as you share communion, that you hold the plate out as someone tears it off, and you call them by name. You say, Russ, this is Christ's body broken for you. When you get to the blood, you say, Russ, this is Christ's blood that was shed for you. But don't stop there. As you pass the plate from person to person and the next person takes it, remind them that this is the blood of a king who passionately pursues you. This is the body that was broken for you, that when you became that younger son and you left, or you became that older son and you resented your obedience and and just living in that moment, that he was still a loving, gracious God, that his body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. Remind each other of the gospel as you share. When you all partake, and then in a few moments when we're done, we'll just enter into one final song. Celebrate the fact that Jesus paid it all. That he is a pursuing, gracious, loving Father for us. He's a prodigal for us. So when you're ready... Just have someone from your group head over, grab a uh, bread and a juice, make your way back to your group, and then begin to partake.